Now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge he kept kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles feet Then Peter said Ananias how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the holy spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal what made you think of doing such a thing you have not lied to man but to god when ananias heard this he fell down and died and her and great fear seized all who heard what had happened then the young man came forward wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him about 3 hours later his wife came in not knowing what had happened peter asked her tell me is this the price you and ananias got for the land Yes she said that is the price Peter said to her how could you agree to test the spirit of the lord look the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also at that moment she fell down at his feet and died then the young men came in and finding her dead carried her out and buried her beside her husband great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events our heavenly father we are at your feet this morning lord your people Her hearts and ears tuned to listen to your voice, Lord. Talk to us, Lord. Minister to our lives this morning, Lord. Pray that you will transform our lives this morning. The word of the Lord is powerful. Like a double-edged sword piercing into our inner spirits. everything lies naked before you lord this morning pray that you and you alone will take glory lord that the name of the lord be lifted this morning in our midst bless your children in the na- name of jesus we pray please be seated verse 11 great fear 
ceased, the whole church and all who heard about these events. I have titled today's message, The Judgment of Grace. What is narrated is an incident that occurred in the first century church, the early church. It's a very familiar story to all of us. But for you to understand this story, I want you to go to the backdrop of what really happened. For that, I want you to go back a few verses to Acts chapter 4, verses 31 onwards. I'll read it. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them. There was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to everyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite, from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So this is the backdrop of the story that we read. The judgment of grace. In verse 41, verse 31 of chapter 4, we read, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Yes, this is an experience that happened in the early church. But some things are for all times. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit in church is for all times. It was not only for the early church. It is for all times until the Lord comes back. The presence of the Holy Spirit will make all the difference in the church of Jesus Christ. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were led by the Holy Spirit. We are the people who claim to be the Holy Spirit people. Right? But are we led by the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do in church? In you and me? A lot of times when we talk about Holy Spirit, we talk about speaking in tongues, 
seeing miracles signs wonders and all kinds of those kind of things yes they are true they are really the manifestations of the holy spirit but this morning i am not going to be talking about those as the manifestations of the holy spirit i'm going to talk about something very different from what we just read from these passages in verse 31 it says they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke what the word of god boldly it gives you the boldness to speak the word of god for you to speak the word of god boldly something you have to do is to live the word of god so a lot of times we don't speak we can't speak it boldly we don't have the boldness to speak the word because we don't live the word spoken word unless it is a living word is powerless we have so many preachers today but few that follow the word that they preach that's why apostle paul in romans say because of this god's name is blasphemed among the gentiles romans 224 i myself am reminded of my own shortcomings when i speak the word of god is first to be obeyed before it is spoken and the holy spirit makes you obey the word as i study the word this is actually the primary evidence of somebody having the holy spirit in them it makes you obey the word of god it makes you to have a strong desire to obey the word a great thirst for the presence of god a hunger for hearing the voice of god there are so many gimmicks going on in the name of the holy spirit today that the name of god is trivialized and scandalized among the pagans around us by the so called holy spirit people jesus said in john 16:13 when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you in all truth and that truth is the word of god it is the whole truth the word of god must be the constitution and the bylaws whereby we live chapter 4 verse 33 the holy spirit allowed them to experience a lot of grace it says there much grace was upon them all so one of the other things that happen when you are filled with the holy spirit is that you get a lot of grace upon you you get to experience god's grace the early church experienced a time of 
immeasurable grace of God. We like that word grace, right? It's a punch word for all of us. Grace. We call ourselves the grace people also. But what is it? It says that abundant grace was upon them all. What is grace? Is it just, you know, we define it as unmerited gift of God. What is it? Can anybody define it? What is it? Is it the blessings? Is it the power alone? Is it the joy? And also it says that much grace was given to all of them, not just the apostles, to all of them. Everybody in the church experienced this grace. This grace was nothing but the embodiment of the presence of God. They were all enveloped with the presence of God. Everywhere this person went, he was evidenced by the presence of God. You look at him, you will know he's a man of grace because the Lord was standing by him. Hallelujah. He was full of grace. Powerfully real to them, the presence of God. Yes, the lame man walked. There was miracles there. We re- a few weeks ago we spoke about that. The person walked shakes. Presence of God. Grace to change the whole world. Grace to change the surroundings. They were a different kind of people. Hallelujah. The grace of God was none other than the explicit presence of God with them. Emmanuel, I am with you till the very end of the world. That's grace. The unmerited gift. You don't deserve it. But he is making it available to you. God with us. That is grace. And nothing else, none, no better or no worse. Nothing more, nothing less. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verse 33, I I don't have the time. I'm going to go fast. In verse 33, it says, with great power. So the Lord of grace, abundant grace was upon them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Abundant grace was upon them. Now it says they had great power. In verse 33 it says, with great power the apostles continued to testify. Power to testify. The Holy Spirit gives you the strength, the power. Stand up for this word. Hallelujah. It makes you stand up for the cause of God. It makes you stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes you stand up. It makes you, the, it makes you have the power to obey the word of God. It gives you the power to resist sin. I know these are all things that we must dwell on and 
meditate, but I know you are all better preachers than me, so please listen to me carefully. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to resist sin. It gives you the power to love what Jesus loved and to hate what Jesus hated. It gives you the power to withstand opposition. It gives you the power to stand up for the right causes. It gives you the power to stand up for the things of God. It gives you the power to stand up for the matters of the body of Christ, the church. It gives you the power to be followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus. The apostles offered powerful testimony about the resurrection of the Lord because the spirit of the Lord emboldened them, gave them the powers to stand up. Hallelujah. And many were convinced that this gospel, there is something about it. It transforms people. People were transformed by this word, by the power of God. Now I'm wondering, why is it that nothing happens in our mega crusades these days? Why is it that? What is so different today? Is it because we don't have organized meetings? We don't have eloquent speak speakers anymore? Is it because we don't spend money? Why is it that after millions being spent on meetings, nothing happens? People feel good that they had a great meeting. Not a single convert. Not a single person who came to the Lord. Why? Because there's something missing about those meetings. The Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit didn't even get invited there. The Spirit of the Lord knew nothing about those meetings. Verse 32. Another indication for the grace that was abounding in them was the unity of the saints. All believers were in one heart and one mind. Yes, I told you, I'm going to talk to you about something that the Holy Spirit does. It is not something that usually you hear about the Holy Spirit. It makes you united. The church of God, the body of Christ is being united Every organism, every organ in the body gets united as one piece for one cause. You know, by now there were about, about 5,000 people in church from all walks of life, from all over the Roman Empire, including a Levite from Cyprus by name, Barnabas. So many walks of life. People from all around the, uh, the empire. About 5,000 of them. Unity of heart. Unity of mind. Unity in love. And unity for one purpose. The cause of God. The spirit-filled church is a united church. It is the hallmark of 
a spirit filled church a united church you know the spirit you know the devil wants to attack us when he when he decides to attack us this is one thing that he targets the unity of the church trivial things he'll throw into the believers and we fight over it and we get divided remember it is not our brothers that are our enemies not our sisters that are our, our enemy it is one targeted enemy we have and he wants to destroy the body of christ and that is satan remember that we have to stay no matter what as one body united in the spirit of the lord hallelujah and this empowerment led to something very very powerful you know what that was generosity holy spirit led to generosity that's what it says there luke writes none of them claimed that anything belonged to them was his own but they had everything in common does this mean that they all renounced all private ownership no they didn't they continued to possess even after that but what happened was their attitude towards wealth changed a new perception about stuff came in hallelujah they continued to own possessions but they did not cling on to their possessions as something that was so important they were willing to let loose of the clutch they had on the possessions the need was taken off in the community any need he was taking care of from time to time people would sell land to meet those needs the idea was not that everyone had the same amount of money or wealth it was not a socialized system in the church we know that actually if we study the word we know it is not what was happening there but what was happening was there were people who were moved by the spirit of the lord who felt a need in the community of the church and who sacrificially gave they sacrificed when they gave believers must be people who give sacrificially that is a demonstration of the grace given to them that is a demonstration of the presence of god in them you know you can you know replace the word grace with the presence of god everywhere and it will be correct if you want to demonstrate grace in your life show me the way you give to the purpose and cause of god the church was really meant to be a society of caring people a compassionate society i don't know when did when we stop being that kind of people it's in that context that barnabas steps in is an important player in the book of acts we know that a levite from the town of cyprus is best known as an encourager we see him 
walking around with his arms around somebody all the time trying to lift him up trying to support him trying to encourage him trying to help them out that's the kind of person barnabas was so he sold a piece of his property and brought the proceeds to the apostles no banquet in his honor no plaques mentioned anywhere in the in honor of saint barnabas this property was sold and given nothing like that no plaque but he knew the need was great so a sacrifice was in order and he did that when the church has a need god will honor a sacrificial giver you are not trying to please people there you are trying to please the one that he's that sees your heart i don't think barnabas was necessarily a rich man maybe he was i don't know but i don't think he gave it out of his feeling rich he gave it because he felt the need was great do all rich people give i don't think so is it the poor people that don't give all the time i don't think so people who have grace will give when the spirit of the living god invades our life we lose grip on the stuff that we possess so we allow some of them to get out of our hands our attachment to people the church and the causes of god will be strengthened abundant grace makes us aware of the constant presence of god which will lead us to the commitment to the things of god to the people of god to the church of god and to the works of god many people gave they were encouraged many people and god encouraged by what barnabas did so there is a family coming now you know the unfortunately you know this is the first family that is mentioned in the book of acts in the new testament church this is the first group of people mentioned as a family a husband and a wife what a great opportunity a person gives followed by a family when you start reading that if you didn't know the story you would think wow what a powerful force this man barnabas has they were believers apparently they were part of the body of that church holy spirit filled i doubt they sold a property too it looked exactly like what barnabas did but they pretended to give the whole amount listen to me now carefully every time i read this story a chill goes through my spine even this morning you know why what were we discussing so far about grace this is a dispensation of grace 
this morning during Bible study, we, remember, we read about the judgment of God upon Hophni and Phinehas. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, we read about, we read about the rebellion of Korah and his friends and the instant judgment. We read about Nada and Abihu and their instant judgment. We read about the young people who came and mocked Prophet Elisha and their instant judgment. Old Testament. The times of law. But this right when the manifestation of grace is so much prevalent and seeping through the veins of the church, when everybody is talking about grace, this is happening. I'm talking only because you know the story. Why did they choose to do this this way? Ananias and Sapphira. They held back some of it. Maybe they thought, in case this church thing, this new, new, new way thing didn't work through, at least we will have some of it with us. In case this building project doesn't go through, we will be safe to keep what belongs to us. In case this mission project doesn't go through, we'll be safe to keep our own. They took a calculated risk for the things of God. This couple had the rights to their money. They were not judged for what they kept from themselves. They were not. They were not even judged because of their greed. You know what their sin was? The sin was the sin of deception. The sin of deceit. They were not honest about what they gave. Peter asked twice, commanded twice, you lied. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. You have lied to, not to men, but to God. They got caught up in what people might think about them and ignored what God would see about them. Listen, Satan is the father of deception. His deceit started with humans in the Garden of Eden. And it continues ever since. He is our enemy. He is the only enemy we have. But he comes to us as our closest friend. Deception. Our Lord is the real angel of light. But Satan is the angel of darkness. But to deceive you and me, Satan will come to us as an angel of light. Our Lord is the lion of Judah. But Peter says, watch out. Your enemy Satan, the devil is prowling right there, like a roaring lion. Now he takes on this outfit to deceive you and me. Deception and deceit 
poor Ananias, before he could say a word, fell at the feet of Peter and he died. His Sapphira, when this is happening, Sapphira, his wife, was actually talking to the investment broker, saying that they have a little deposit to make, and she was actually uh, trying to make something out of what was left off, and then later she comes to meet Peter and the disciples, hoping that they will all give her a standing ovation. Wow, what a great family. But Peter gives her a chance to confess. Another demonstration of grace there. Another demonstration of grace. Peter was not happy about what happened with her husband. No, he was not. He was not angry, but he was saddened. He was troubled by what happened. He was grieved by what they did. So he wanted to give her another chance. At least he had a chance to confess. Sapphira. This is what you sold your property for? She could have also said, no, Peter. We sold it for a million dollars, but we kept about 300 grand. The rest we gave. End of story. That would, that's probably all that was needed there. But you know the story. She followed the footsteps of her husband. Can you imagine somebody running into the you know, somebody was absent in church that day. And somebody went home and got a call. What happened in church today? You don't put this in the church website. Plus, it couldn't be published in the church bulletin. And verse 11 says, verse 5 and 11 says, Great fear fell on everyone. It just doesn't make sense. I'm going to close here soon. Great fear fell on every one of them. Holy Spirit in every one of them. Great power in every one of them. Emboldened witnessing by all of them. A lot of grace in all of them. But great fear. Remember, God takes sin very seriously. Hallelujah. You can't trifle with the house of God. You can't trifle with the grace of God. You can't trifle with the things of God. You'll pay for it. Deceit is a, is a very serious sin. There is something about the sin of deceit that God especially hates because it is one of the original sins. Satan pretended to be God. Deception destroys the unity in the church. Deception, uh, deception destroys the unity in the family. It, it, it destroys trust among people of God. Deception destroys friendship. Hallelujah. We are supposed to give generous, generously. But we don't. We make promises, but we don't fulfill what we promised. 
Then we criticize people like Barnabas, saying that, oh, that guy needed some publicity. We don't want to let others know about our not giving. So we wear masks. We are called to be encouragers. You're supposed to pray and study the word every day. You're supposed to be witnesses. You're supposed to raise our children in the fear and love the Lord. But when we realize that we don't do it, we don't admit it. We wear a mask. We try to rationalize what we do. Deception. When we do that, we die spiritually. We don't like to hear that word death, do we? But spiritual death, we become mortified. Hallelujah. We are struggling with problems at home. But we don't want to admit it before God. We cover it up. Prayer is going on. Meetings we attend. But nothing has changed here. Somebody asks you, how are you doing? I'm great. Fine. Nothing. Couldn't be better. Hallelujah. Peter says another reason why we do this. He's saying, you have put the spirit of the Lord to test. Safira, you put the spirit of God to test. What does that mean? This family wanted to push the envelope to the extent possible as to where, how much can I push it? Before something happens. Take sin seriously. Take sin seriously. Admit. If you have been having. This sin of deception. Pull off that mask. Pull off that facade. And admit before the Holy Spirit. That is so real here today. Tell Jesus. Take it off from me. Take it off from my life. I admit, I want to be used by you. Let's be filled with people. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our Heavenly Father, this morning we commit ourselves. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We are your children, Lord. Fill us all with your power, Lord. Fill us all. Fill us with your abundant grace that we almost always take for granted. Help us to be people of unity. Help us to be people who are filled with the power of God. Help us to be moved with compassion and love. Help us to be people who are generous in the body of Christ. Help us to be true to you and true to the people of God. Take the masks and facades away from us. Help us to be people of honesty and integrity. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what the Lord has done today. Commit ourselves into your hands.
pray that you will use us for your glory in the days to come. In the name of Jesus, we pray.